Hi, and welcome to the Pride Road Architects podcast. I'm Lisa, Lisa Rains, and each episode I'll talk to people who interest me in the world of architecture and business. So join me and fellow lions and lionesses as we explore architecture in the den. everyone and welcome to Architecture in the Den with me your host Lisa, Lisa Rains from Pride Road Architects, the architectural practice franchise and today um, I'm delighted to welcome Daria Simonovich. So hi Daria, uh, do you want to say hello? Hello everyone, hello Lisa, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure, so um, tell me a bit about yourself. Sure. I run a few small companies. I run a swim school for children I called Chelsea Swim Spa. I run a small coffee shop called Chelsea Crapery. I also rent properties for filming, advertising in the short term. Uh, I'm a mom of three. I'm currently playing up with, a, with an idea of a dog hotel. Uh, and I'm writing a book called The Immigrant Entrepreneur, how I came in this country with no money, barely speaking English, without knowing anyone. And if I can run five companies, so can you you've just made it sound really easy (laughs) (laughs) oh wow so um so first of all do you want to just tell us a a bit about your journey so um when did you come sure Sure. i arrived 17 years ago um Hmm. i arrived from russia very small city i don't support uh, this craziness what's happening i don't support the war so just make it clear um, it's very sad what's happening, but uh, we are here. I focus on what I can improve, what I can work on. Uh, so I spend my energy focusing on what I have. Uh, and uh, I have been working in investment banking. I've been studying here in Imperial College, risk management and financial engineering. But when I got pregnant with my first child, um, I lost my job. Uh, my department was closed uh, so I decided to stay a little bit longer with the kids and then I started to dream about having a work uh, around my kids uh, not specifically nine to five uh, and I started to open small businesses one by one so the first one was a swim school I opened it eight years ago and uh, then the Chelsea Crapery is um, five years ago I opened a small coffee shop uh, and properties I've been doing for 10 years Wow, <laughs> that's a lot. So, so when, um, how old were you when you arrived in the UK? She says, trying to do some maths quickly. Sure. So I was twenty-two. Um, now I'm thirty-eight. Sorry for all the details, but why not? So, um, so what had you studied in Russia? So I did applied mathematics and computer science as my first degree. And here I kind of wanted to utilize that, did risk management and financial engineering. Um, But I'm a people person. I want to be out there, kind of build a team, talk to people. Mm -hmm. That's what kind of gives me a buzz. I'm not really in front of the screen person. Mm -hmm. And that's why I started the business building. And, And why did you leave Russia? So I came to study and for experience and I um, just uh, stayed here because got married, kids, you know how it is, uh, more opportunities here, I guess. Yeah. 
So, um, yeah, just before we go forward, so um, have you still got family back in Russia and how are they managing? Yes, I have. I'm a single child. I'm the only child and uh, my parents are still there, but thanks God they can visit. It's not a direct flight, but through Istanbul they could fly. Mm. Um, yeah. And they fly quite, they're here quite often. Uh, yeah, so that's great. I'm, I'm grateful that it's still possibility, you know what I mean? Yeah, how, how are they finding it? Uh, it's uh, very difficult for them uh, because uh, if you don't support the war, um, it's difficult because uh, some people, they might, you know, they're like almost living scared, you know what I mean? So, yeah, but they can't leave the country, like, permanently. So, yeah, no, it's it's sad what's happening. Yeah. Mm, it's been really tough, really tough. It's really easy um, for, for people to kind of demonise sort of the Russian uh, Russians, but, you know, it's there, there must be a lot of people that don't support the war there. Exactly. Exactly. Mm. Anyway, on a more upbeat uh, tone. So, um, so you came over, you did a degree, uh, you worked in finance, was that? And then yes, so I worked in finance and um, I did a bit of brokerage, uh, like working for Tradition and Talit Pribon. Um, and yeah, so I kind of, with the businesses, I feel much happier. Uh, it's much more dynamic. I get a buzz out of building, exploring, you know, new ventures. Yeah, kind of serial entrepreneur is what I want to call myself. Yeah. How did you, so um, a lot of our listeners are kind of, you know, we're kind of geared towards architects, architectural students, architects in practice, and maybe sort of people who are thinking of setting up their own practice. So what is it that made you start up your business in the first place? And how did you find that? Uh, I uh, uh, would say, you know how they say, fall in love with the problem rather than the solution. Oh. And uh, me, I um, am rather finding in love with solutions. And that's why I think I only run very small businesses. So I kind of see the opportunities. Like, for example, um, we built, um, we bought a house which had only four floors and we had, saw an opportunity to build a basement. So we digged one floor, the basement, we craned the pool inside our house and uh, basically uh, when the building was finished, I was trying to utilize the space better. And I was like, oh, why don't we try to set it up as a swim school, you know, mm. like a basement part. And so now there is a swim school. Uh, I've been running it for eight years. So me, I kind of just, you know, try to see opportunities. And, you know, for entrepreneurs, the truth to be told, I mean, everyone can have an idea. You go to the shower, you, you have an idea. But then actually it's all about execution. Do you take that leap? Do you start at least baby steps? So, yeah. Wow. <laughs> There's a lot there. So you just started. So you built a swimming pool in your basement. Yeah. Right. I'm guessing you live in central London. Yes, we live in Chelsea. Yeah. So how, what was that? process like because we're you know architects listening into this you built what was it like to build 
a swimming pool in central London? Um, it's it was amazing project. We were very lucky with the building, so it was underdeveloped. So it was like really we bought it in a very bad state. Um, so it's four floors, and um, you know in certain areas of London, like if you have a house in Knightsbridge, it probably makes sense to build two floors basements but in, like in Chelsea one floor is kind of good enough because if you go much deeper it becomes so much more expensive so mm -hmm. but in Chelsea every time you add square meter mm -hmm. um, is it makes sense so uh, we basically built um, uh, dig the basement uh, we lived oh, in was, the house was yeah. there a basement at the time of the project so we bought it was just four floors and i think when we bought the all house above, all above ground or exactly so it was all above ground so it was like lower ground floor ground floor first yeah. floor and second floor right okay and so we just digged one floor basement so the house was like on, on yeah was it a terrace so end of terrace we have a double fronted victorian house end of terrace but of course, still, you have to consult with the neighbors, surveyor, you know, everything. Um, yeah, and um, we didn't really build the swimming pool we, because it's quite expensive. That's why there are not too, so many swimming pools in London. What we did, we bought a swimming pool, which is Hydra Pool. Um, and Hydra Pool is like, um, you know, it's only three meters by six meters. And mm -hmm. we craned it. And it's not very expensive. I think you could buy one for 25,000 pounds or like 30,000 pounds. So it's like not completely, you know, some pools, they could cost 100k, 150k. So that was a kind of on a budget. Um, yeah. Okay, so, um, so I'm getting a bit fixated about basements. <laughs> Please. <laughs> I don't, uh, I'm guessing you weren't expecting the conversation to go this way. So, um, so did you have to underpin? Exactly, exactly. So the house was underpinned mm -hmm. and we actually still lived in the top two floors. Yeah. So what we did, we kind of set it up as a, you know, kind of independent apartment with a kitchen, with a bathroom. So we did the refurb first two floors, I mean, yes. top two floors. Yeah. We lived there and then, yeah, underpinned, uh, quite scary, but, you know, yeah. we made it. <laughs> it's quite a lot. So um, just to unpack the proposition of putting in the swimming pool in. had you intended to run it as a, a swim school from as part of the works or had you did you start by doing it for personal use exactly so the idea was a personal use you know like an american dream to have a house with a pool you know and the, it was a personal use very small very warm pool and when my daughter was around three months i started to go to swimming lessons you know like uh, what babies mm -hmm. and i saw that they run swimming lessons in the pool even smaller than mine right. uh, so first i started to rent the pool for other swim schools, uh, but then I kind of see it worked very well, and you know I just decided to open my own school. I didn't have constraints, so yeah. So did it have a separate entrance already, or did so you we? So we have two entrances, mm. but unfortunately, it was not designed very well. So it's at the moment it's still the main entrance is used for the swim school clients. Well, and so for some people it's odd 
because you know why would you want so many people coming through but for me i'm entrepreneur you know i i get it's so amazing it's like yeah. having you know all, constant customer feedback you know all this community feel interaction plus you could have a housekeeper all the time you know mm -hmm. and from like seven o'clock in the morning until seven o'clock at night I have the housekeepers Monday to Friday and with three kids you know I like it's a godsend you know what I mean amazing amazing and how many um how many kids uh how many are in the class at any one time so we do private lessons, we do two-to-one lessons, and we do group lessons, but very small uh, groups, uh, you know, like three, four babies in yeah. the, in a class. Uh, yeah, so it's... Uh, so um, I'm just thinking in terms of the planning permissions yes. in the school, was it, was it difficult to get planning permission to, to run it as a school? Uh, we were very lucky with the council. And mm. to be perfectly honest with you, maybe we're also lucky with the neighbors mm -hmm. um, and also I think it's kind of you know end of terrace house we had council coming in only once mm -hmm. and they never came back mm -hmm. and I hear from other people who kind of do the same mm -hmm. um, there they might run it for 10 years before like council comes in yeah. I mean council have a lot on their plate so I mean I shouldn't we shouldn't be one of their concerns <laughs> What an amazing proposition. So you've got that running the swim school sort of uh, kind of private hire one to three people. Is it in constant use? Be, it's 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 a great uh, um, I mean of course it's all kind of you know patterns and I would say yes Monday to Friday we're on lessons uh, mm -hmm. like nine o'clock in, in the morning until like 6 30. It mm -hmm. is in constant use I mean teachers they have a lunch break um, but I mean for example summer term is much busier than let's say winter term mm -hmm. um, yeah. So it sounds like you've got managers in place to run it I uh, have uh, a team of housekeepers, so kind of morning shift and evening shift, and I have a lady who helps me with the bookings. So yeah, yeah I would say, I mean, I still kind of supervise a little bit, uh, yeah. but it's so nice, it's such a nice business. Everything is delegated, you know, and yes. um, yeah, it's 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 good margins as well. There's some good lessons to be learned there. So, you know, you talk about running a swim school, and yeah. you're not, in the water yeah so, you know i think there's a lot of kind of lessons to be learned about running an architectural practice about kind of you know you, if if you want to run a business doing what you you're passionate about how yeah. much of that do you actually want to be doing can you delegate any of that At what point can you get managers in um, and actually make it an enjoyable proposition. Absolutely, absolutely. As they say, you know, the most successful business owner is the one who fired himself from the business or fired mm -hmm. herself. So it's all about um, your zone of genius, focus on that and everything else, just delegated, delegated, delegated. And yeah. swim school is a very sexy business in the shape that it's kind of very high barrier for entry there are very few swimming pools in london mm. um and so like to be an owner of the pool i mean it's it's like 
also the the parents they would pay for their children lessons like quite big money they would be stingy with themselves but for kids like take my money and you know chelsea is a good area um yeah so we're very lucky okay so that's about location and knowing your market yeah um so was it a, a, a leap to set it, set it up as a business? I suppose you already had the 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 capital in you'd already made the capital investment. Exactly, exactly. So to be honest with you, that was probably the easiest business to set up in mm. the terms of, you know, how much does it cost to set up a website? Yeah. How much does it and even to invite the teacher? Uh, you know, you just have a few trials with a teacher, you select the best one. And yeah. why also this business is amazing that the cash flow, everyone is paying upfront. So yeah. you come for a trial, for example, you, you, you like it, and then you pay for 10 lessons mm. in advance or for term in advance. So you are sitting already on a cash, but you pay the teachers only monthly. So, yeah. I mean, it's, I learned the hard way, like running a coffee shop is completely another level. So, <laughs> so what, how did that transition come about going from the um, swim, the, the swim school to the coffee shop? So I've been doing the swim school for three years mm. and I kind of started to explore like other ideas, you know, you kind of get a little bit bored, you know, how they say there are two different types of entrepreneurs, scanners and divers. So Ooh, diver okay. is like Steve Jobs who dives into Apple, focuses on Apple, and th that's where his focus is. And Richard Branson is the one who is like, has airlines, has gyms, has music, you know, now he's going into space. So he's exploring, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I feel like I love exploring this uh, different opportunities. So I saw an opportunity very close to my home, like literally one minute away. It was a corner coffee shop. Um, like it was there for 19 years. And I was talking about that particular location for three years with my friends. I was like, oh my God, this is amazing opportunity right opposite Chelsea and Westminster Hospital. And so when I was on a walk, like my third child was born she was sitting in my sling and I walked in and I was like oh would you be interested to sell and he was like make me an offer and three months later I had the keys I had zero knowledge how to run food business so of course we had to hire a food consultant but mm. like oh margins are so much tighter is is the hardest business I've ever been in <laughs> so from one extreme to another <laughs> yeah yeah. So when when did you do that? When did you set that one up? So it was exactly five and a half years ago. Yeah, uh, I approached the owner and um, I did it kind of the other way around. You know, usually people, they're so fascinated by the concept and then they look for location. And I was rather fascinated by location. Yeah. And then we wanted to open a franchise. Um, we started to approach franchise, but I felt like the good franchise I wanted to open they kind of rather raise money themselves uh, through investors and the not so good ones they kind of try to sell it uh, through franchise and we kind of my husband is French so we were cooking crepes every Sunday with kids and we thought like 
you know, it's a food you could eat for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Mm -hmm. We did the market research. We thought it's not enough creperies in the UK compared to France. So maybe there is an opportunity for scalability as well. Like you're successful with one, then you potentially can open 10. So we make the sleep and uh, yeah, I mean, I'm certainly not going to be opening more creperies. That's for sure. <laughs> Cool. So um, when you when when you get a premises, I guess there's uh, is it leased? Exactly. So we had a very long lease, 15 years lease. Right. Okay. Um, so we have 10 years left in this lease. Uh, and but we were very, very lucky with our landlords. Yeah. Uh, so they were very kind with us uh, during COVID. I mean, COVID year was actually the best for us because we we're opposite the hospital, lots of government help. We never closed, always did take away. I mean, we've been super lucky, but now oh, it's 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 very hard. It's much more competitive as well. Yeah. So you you see on a high street. It's only coffee shops, coffee shops, coffee shops. So more competition, energy crisis, of course, you know, and people, even if you try to increase prices, mm. still more people don't come, you know, it's uh, cost of living is, is yeah, it's, it's very hard. Mm -hmm. So does that mean you're committed for the next 15, well, 10 years or nine and a half years now? Exactly. But I mean, unless there is an opportunity, someone comes in, makes a better offer, you know, we're exploring different opportunities now as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So always look at your exit strategies. As well. 100%, 100%. And, and so that's two of the businesses. What was yeah. the businesses? So property is actually my favorite business. Okay. Airbnb, um, um, I love it. Like um, it's, you know, the short term uh bookings of course there are uh, restrictions in london like i have a house in france and a flat in france i do short-term rentals what i love about it i thought you know we have a house in france and i thought it's in the middle of nowhere but mm. actually even the house i mean it's like um in cross hermitage uh area like uh, ronald's area I, if by changing the prices, I'm able to rent the house all 12 months, which mm. was a massive surprise for me. Mm. Um, yeah, and I mean, I have a flat in London, which I rent as well, short term. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's I, I find it the easiest business ever. <laughs> <laughs> but easier than running a swim school or a crepery. <laughs> I would say so, yeah, I would okay. say so. Uh, um, and so have you, have you got sort of ongoing projects with that? So you're looking, you're kind of adding more things to your portfolio? Um, I all, I'm always looking at adding <laughs> other things um, to my portfolio. Um, well, so... we, are, we are architects and, I, and I, um, Shwara is based in um, Sutton and Kingston. So if you... And we specialize in single story, two story extensions, loft conversions and renovations. So if you need a hand with anything, we have. Uh, absolutely. Know. Absolutely. Know. Absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> yeah. uh, so that's the property um, uh, business. That's the yeah. number three. So what else are you juggling? So I uh, rent properties as well for filming and advertising. 
Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of another part. I also do have started social enterprise buy one give one. So every pair of socks you buy from us, we give one pair of socks to homeless people or people in need. Okay. It's a great idea, but I don't have enough time to focus on it at the moment. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and you know, we're testing idea about the kind of dog hotel, but you know, for the moment we're just dog sitting with dogs what? for money. Yeah. There is an amazing app, um, which is like Airbnb for dogs, which is called Rover. Oh, um, okay. Rover. And my kids, they last year, they were dog sitting dogs and they earned 4,000 pounds just out of that. So it's not about pocket money for kids. Oh, wow. Yeah. Sounds amazing. And I've just, yeah, we've got two dogs and... Um, we got them in lockdown and for the first time we're about to do um, a family holiday well in, yeah. in August so looking yeah. at dog care during yeah. that time oh my goodness I mean yes yeah I think I think it works out I mean up here in the northwest yeah it's uh 20 I've, I found somewhere privately that will do 25 pounds per night per dog yeah um yeah or someone to come to the house and house it yeah uh, yeah so it's looking at that but yeah there's a lot of dogs in the country absolutely lockdown was you know absolutely mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so have you got dogs we don't have dogs uh, because my parents they come sometimes and my dad has a fear of dogs so we can't really have dog permanently yeah. but when they are not here we host a few dogs um, sometimes one dog sometimes two or three maximum uh yeah it's, and how, how old are your kids 10 8 and 6 Oh wow! There are I. I mean, I remember mine at that age. They were like, "I want a dog. I want a dog. I want a dog. I want a constantly." <laughs> and I, I kind of like said, "Right, if you can look after my mum's dog." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but that's a different way. I know making money out of it. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. We had requests during December holidays. There was one puppy. Um, it was a French bulldog. Mm. And the person wanted to pay 2,600 a month for us just to stay with a dog. Yeah. I'm like, you don't, you don't need to work. I mean, we couldn't stay, unfortunately, because we always go to France for, for Christmas. But, uh, you know, it's a good opportunity. Yeah. I mean, so my two dogs for a week in the height of summer, you know, it's 350 pounds. Yeah. You know, that's two flights. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's a holiday for us. Not Absolutely. Really. But yeah, there's money in it. And then, so that's the dog hotel. And um, the film rental, mm -hmm. how you about that? So you just take pictures of your house. They usually like that it's a central London kind of location. Uh, we have uh, two parking spaces as well. And it's, you know, double fronted Victorian house. There is and a small house that you rent out. Exactly. So yeah. we use uh, our house and we use different apps and agencies. Uh -huh. um, and, you know, sometimes they come and they just use your front door and pay you 600 pounds for using your front door. <laughs> but sometimes it's like 10, 15 people and they want to use the full house and yeah. they might stay for a week for a movie or something like that so it's unfortunately it's not as often as i wish no but uh, yeah we, we did it once 
uh, was living in Chalton in in mid terrace, so very desirable area up in there. Yeah. In Manchester, and people were just leafleting through the door. Film companies, okay. you know, would like to, you know, use your house for an advert and it was for a co-op tv advert and they came in and then they just changed everything (laughs) completely you're like what What? i wonder why were they looking in this specific location that's very odd um yeah no i think i think we got about a thousand pounds for a day and they kicked us out at like seven o'clock in the morning So, um, so has your house been in anything? Yes. So we've been in this movie called Love, Sarah. So they stayed for a week, but unfortunately it was a very low budget. So I think overall for a week, we got like 3000 pounds, things like that. But the best work we've been doing with Primark, they rented the house for two nights. They were launching their skin, new skincare, and they use it for a press release. So of course we were all kicked out of our house. And that was around 5,000 for two days, something like that. That was not lovely. And once we had even Rihanna, like, you know, the, the singer wow. staying in our house, they rented our house for the day and for the night and because of the pool. And it was only for, I think, for just pictures of her. And of course, they don't tell you who is coming. They say, oh, it's talent coming. So we were actually living in the basement flat. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, that was around 5,000 as well for, for like, the whole day. So that was beautiful. <laughs> That's really exciting. Okay, um, well, we're coming to an end, but I think there is a fifth or sixth business that you're running around <laughs> mentoring. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to talk about that? So I run workshops for entrepreneurs once a month. I run like entrepreneurs growth club and around 20 people come and I share like practical hacks, what I learned uh, on my journey. Like, you know, this wonderful PR light bulb group. That's how we actually connected. And, you know, I've been interviewed by Sky News a month ago uh, in the crappery. And, you know, I kind of share all these small bits and bobs. Uh, People feel very inspired. I love doing it. And I do as well one to one. Uh, so I'm a part of this help to grow program government runs it for small businesses where you could be a business mentor Uh, and I'm studying now business mentoring and coaching it's with institute um, for leadership and management Mm. and they government pays for your degree so that you could become a better business mentor so it's yeah it's it's great love it wow so um if anyone wants to contact you how's the best way to get in contact absolutely you could instagram me email me uh, we will i will have be happy to share the contact details uh, yeah so um dario was just asking for me to tell her my story well i'm an architect with um qualified about 25 years ago <laughs> Um, and I've also got three kids Um, and I was I've been made redundant twice whilst on maternity leave so the thing about architecture is um, it's it is quite fickle so um, it follows the economy Um, so when we're doing well everyone's in employment but when um, the you know we head into a recession architects are usually the first ones to go 
Um, so in the last round uh, of redundancies, that like 50% of all architects lost their jobs. So um, I couldn't, the, the, you know, I remember being interviewed by, for six or seven jobs, which just didn't exist. Um, and I had no choice but to, to go it alone. So that was 12 years ago. Um, so um, I've, I've missed a bit about my history in architecture and who I work for and training and stuff like that. But I ended up having to set up my own practice out of necessity. Um, but um, so very soon kind of streamlined it. Um, and I kind of read that Michael Gerber's book, E-Myth Revisited, and talking about systemizing your business. I love that um, book. Hmm? I love that book. Yeah, it's amazing. It's, I think I talk about it all the time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and, um, you know, the idea um, about systemizing um, your business uh, just to make things easier and kind of have like franchise mindsets. And that's what I did. Um, so I really found my niche, which is in the... Um, residential domestic extensions yes we don't do skyscrapers we don't do multiples um you know we don't do commercial we just do extensions and conversions and we do them very well and so we have our expertise in that um, and and we know how to find our clients we know how to talk to our clients we know what language and images to use we know where our clients hang out um and um yeah so two years into setting up my own business I started focusing on this niche and developing all the systems to support it and I realized that um sort of it's tough um to run a family and be an architect at the same time working elsewhere because it's a long hours culture and um you know it's it's very hard to find those flexible roles um and so i um i i thought i found a solution that would help kind of uh people who needed that work life balance and then offered uh, rebranded as pride road and offered it as a franchise model so that was seven years ago and now there's um five franchises around the country yeah. amazing oh my god thank you um yeah and one in london so Shuar is in sutton and kingston i know um <laughs> sandy is in warwick laura's in bournemouth and mm. The two of us up in the northwest. Perfect. So, oh, I can see my next meeting arriving. Um, yeah, so that's thrown me off. Ah. Um, and yeah, it's an exciting journey. It's so I've become a franchisor as well as um you know, a director of a practice as well as an architect. <laughs> so it's like building all those skills one on top of an one one on top of another. And I guess uh, I guess I'm a deep diver rather than a scanner. Going yeah. back to your earlier analogy. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, 
So yeah, there you go. Oh, well done. So e-myth actually really changed your life. It really did change my, my life. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It, I think that is an essential book for anyone to read if you're thinking of setting up your own practice. 100%. 100%. Right. On that note, it was really lovely to talk to you. Lovely talking um, to you too. Yeah. And uh, see you on Lightbulb. And no, if you want to get in contact with us uh, about Absolutely, absolutely. We'll keep you in mind. <laughs> keep us in mind. Um, so thank you very much for coming on the show and have a lovely rest of Friday and lovely weekend. Thank you. You too. Thank you for joining me, Lisa Rains, for Architecture in the Den. If you want to find out about franchising, check out our website, prideroadfranchise.co.uk. If you enjoyed this episode, please like, subscribe and leave a review. And do get in touch through your favourite platform if you'd like to be a guest. <laughs>